It is Thursday, June 22nd, 2023, and this is Ozarks at Large on your public radio station, 91.3 FM KUAF. I'm Timothy Dennis. I'm Kyle Kellams. KUAF is a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Today, Timothy will provide us with a packed seven days of live music, and another new study places Arkansas near the bottom when it comes to health. First, last Friday, Fayetteville's Black Heritage Preservation Commission unveiled historical markers recognizing the story of Nelson Hackett, the only enslaved person to be extradited from Canada back to Fayetteville. Ozarks at Large's Rachel Sanchez-Smith went to the commemoration event where Hackett's story was honored with a bronze plaque on the western corner of the downtown square. All right, now let us unveil the marker. Ready? Nelson Hackett's historical legacy begins in the early 1840s in Fayetteville, where Hackett labored as a personal servant to Alfred Wallace, according to the new marker on the square. Sometime in the middle of July 1841, Hackett fled Fayetteville and traveled more than 960 miles to a free Canada with a horse, saddle, beaver coat, and a gold watch. Wallace tracked Hackett to the town of Chatham, Ontario in Canada and had him arrested for stealing the horse and other goods. Later in the summer of 1842, a shackled Hackett arrived back in Fayetteville. He was publicly whipped on several occasions before being sold to Texas slavers. The plaque says Hackett's escape set off an international dispute that ensured Canada remained a safe haven for those escaping bondage from the United States. J.L. Jennings, the chairperson of the Black Historic Preservation Commission, said the city's recognition of Hackett's story is important for current residents of Fayetteville and their understanding. I think it's important for Fayetteville just to create that sense of belonging in our community. Um, when, you, when you're able to witness and see your history and understand your history and learn your history, then that creates that sense of community um, that every city's looking for. And the fact that he was such an impactful figure that has gone unknown for so long in his own hometown, um, I think it's just significant that he's finally getting the recognition, like the mayor said, that's you know, almost 200 years overdue. Jennings said every piece of the process was important to erect the plaque, and he's joyous to see the end result of work that began almost a year ago to honor Hackett's legacy. We, as a commission, we probably spent a year planning this. Um, we, you know, from looking at the text to trying to figure out how we're going to fund the marker to where we're going to locate the marker. You know, it was a it was a long process. Um, but I want to commend all of the commissioners because we stuck with it. Um, everybody came to the meetings ready to work, and we actually, you know, it feels great to seeing that this, this marker is installed and and for and such a prominent place in Fayetteville also, you know, so like it's my vision that in on, you know, uh, farmers market days that people will just you know, come around, take a quick second to read it and, you know, and learn a little bit more about Fayetteville. Hackett's story not only documents a single man's struggle, but also explores how that one man activated a transatlantic and biracial network of activists working to undermine the institution of slavery according to the Nelson Hackett Project by the University of Arkansas. The project's lead scholar, Dr. Michael Pierce, associate professor of history, spoke with KUAF's undisciplined host, Dr. Karee Banton, another leader of the project, 
about Hackett's impact on fugitivity and slavery in North America after his escape from and subsequent return to Fayetteville. In essence, we've known, we historians, have known for quite a while, for, for 60, 70 years, that Nelson Hackett played a, a really instrumental role or set into motion the events that really solidified, ensured that Canada would be a haven for those escaping slavery in the United States. So that's been known. Let's back up a little bit, right? So you have all the stuff that you found and scoured archives like a detective. So you you have all these sources, Mike. But I want to have context of, can you give us the context in which a person like Nelson Hackett would exist in Arkansas in the 19th century? Okay, so, you know, Nelson Hackett doesn't appear in the historical record until about 1840. And... Over in the county courthouse, the old courthouse, in the archives, I tracked down two bills of sale. So it's very interesting that he exists as a human being only in the court records and only via property property as he, in the bills of sale. That's the only way he, well, that's how he first comes. That's how he comes alive or enters he, your the imagination of the public. Yeah. Absolutely. We know he left Fayetteville, or at least Arkansas, sometime in the middle of July of 1841. He gets to Detroit probably late August Mm -hmm. and crosses the Detroit River into Canada West. Then he makes his way to to Chatham. And Chatham is, it got the reputation right before the, the Civil War of Canada's Black Mecca. Wallace grabs two justices of the peace and goes and barges where in on where Nelson Hackett is staying, and they beat the crap out of him. Um, they beat him with a, uh, a whip handle, they give him a concussion, and they throw him in jail. And they say, we want to extradite him back to Arkansas to face charges of theft. You know, Alfred Wallace has spent all of this money, and he's doing it to make an example out of, out of Nelson Hackett. So he pays all this money. And, and to, to get Nelson Hackett back. Mm-hmm. He, they finally get back to Fayetteville in the, the early summer of, of 1842. And we, we have a couple of accounts of what happened. One account says that he was publicly whipped and beaten on five or six occasions. And that one of the the whippings was 120 lashes, which is is literally enough to kill a person. Some of the other beatings were 50, 60 lashes. And we, we heard this from another fugitive who gets to Canada in the 1850s, and he runs into Hiram Wilson, the abolitionist who visited him and, and, and tells the story to Hiram Wilson and Hiram Wilson writes about it in The Liberator, William Lloyd Garrison's paper. And what this account says is that the, the purpose of the beating was to make a show to all of the other enslaved people in Fayetteville that if you escape, these are the consequences. There is no end to how far we will go to retrieve you. 
we will enlist the governor of California, uh, governor of Arkansas, the governor of Canada, all of these court systems, and we will we will get him back, and he will be punished. At the end of the summer, Nelson Hackett had all of the signs of all of these whippings and these beatings. And then Alfred Wallace sold him to Texas. And selling him to Texas, and and Texas was a republic at this time. It was before the annexation of Texas into the United States. And selling an enslaved person to Texas was the equivalent of working them to death. It was a, a form of torture. It was a slow, painful death. You can find the full episode between Undisciplined host Dr. Karee Banton and Dr. Michael Pierce and their two-part conversation on KUAF.com slash undisciplined. The Nelson Hackett plaque is displayed on the northwest corner of the Fayetteville Square. More information about Hackett's life and journey can be found at nelsonhackettproject.uark.edu. For Ozarks at Large in the downtown Fayetteville Square, I'm Rachel Sanchez-Smith. KUAF is celebrating 50 years on the air, and this June we're raising $50,000 to celebrate and support the international, national, and local programming you love and rely on. And as a thank you for your contribution, you can choose from two thank you gifts this month, a reusable tote bag or a reusable water water bottle featuring our 10-watt wonder logo celebrating our 50th anniversary. These are in limited supply, so become a member of your public radio station and choose a thank you gift from us today right now you can do that at supportkuaf.com hey it's a martinez from morning edition and i'm your local host daniel caruth summer brings barbecues vacations and that might mean a break from your normal routine but even if your days look and feel different this time of year npr and kuaf are still here to keep you in the know join me every weekday from 5 to 9 a.m all summer long. Ahead today on our show, the economic impact of a growing industry in Northwest Arkansas, cycling. About 100 million of that was the business impact. So those are, you know, directly uh, businesses engaged in something to do with the bicycling economy. And then $59 million was uh, basically tourism impacts and people going to restaurants, paying for hotels, Airbnbs, uh, that type of activity, uh, while they're visiting Northwest Arkansas, either to just enjoy a nice weekend vacation here around bicycling. Economist Mervyn Jabaraj discusses cycling's economic influence and other money matters with Roby Brock as part of this week's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal report. That's in about six minutes on today's show. Walmart Amp presents a fireworks spectacular Tuesday, July 4th. This family-friendly experience features a blend of patriotic and contemporary music by the Symphony of Northwest Arkansas with a grand finale fireworks display. Gates open at 7 p.m., concert at 8 p.m., and fireworks begin at 9.15. Amptickets.com for information. Northwest Arkansas Pride returns June 23rd through the 25th for its 19th annual Parade and Festival. Other weekend events include the third annual Trans March, Glitterville with drag superstar Diabetti, and the High Tea Pool Party at Mount Sequoia. Information at nwapride.org or 
NWA Equality's Facebook or Instagram. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Timothy Dennis. I'm Kyle Kellums. A new report places Arkansas near the bottom of a ranking of state health system performances. The Commonwealth Fund released its annual report yesterday, and Arkansas is among the five lowest-ranked states. Commonwealth Fund President Joseph Betancourt says the scorecard provides a detailed view of how states are emerging from the pandemic. And it sounds alarms, uh, you know, clear and present dangers in a couple of different areas. We've gone backward on life expectancy, backward on avoidable deaths. Women's health, mental health, substance abuse disorder are all critical issues that require uh, urgent attention. And I think that we've tried to demonstrate here, and I think you can see through our evidence, that federal and state policies do matter. The 2023 scorecard on state health system performance scorecard points to federal and state policies that drive health inequities as well as good outcomes. Arkansas ranks 47th in the nation regarding access to health care and affordability, prevention and treatment, healthy lifeways, income disparity, and racial and ethnic equity. This year's scorecard for the first time also ranks reproductive care and women's health. Jesse Bumgardner, the study's co-author, says that the data was collected before the Supreme Court's Dobbs v. Jackson decision, which allowed some states to reduce or remove abortion availability. And they provide a baseline for assessing reproductive and women's health across states in the coming years. Combining performance across all of these 12 measures, we find wide state variation in health system performance for women, mothers, and infants who face, who face particularly severe challenges during the COVID-19 pandemic. Researchers also documented a widespread surge in preventable deaths, mainly due to the pandemic, as well as the lack of mental health interventions. And the report indicates medical debt is a looming crisis for both insured and uninsured people. The report also cites vast disruptions occurring this year in Medicaid coverage, a consequence of lifting a pandemic-era coverage extension and due to administrative errors. Jesse Bumgardner says millions of people could be affected. As many as 15 million people are estimated to lose Medicaid coverage during the state redetermination. And of those, the CBO projects that 6.2 million will become uninsured. More than 140,000 Arkansans have lost Medicaid coverage so far because of state-mandated accelerated six-month eligibility redetermination period. Arkansas scores from the scorecard can be found at commonwealthfund.org forward slash publications. The Remember the Removal bike ride will conclude tomorrow in Tahlequah. The annual bicycle ride takes place in honor of ancestors forcibly removed from their homelands more than 180 years ago. This year's ride started in Georgia on June 5th and will finish at the Cherokee Nation Peace Pavilion in Tahlequah tomorrow morning at 11. The University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences will use two grants totaling $50,000 from the Arvest Foundation to benefit the Organ Engineering and Gene Therapy Fund for Excellence. The money will be used to support the UAMS Research Center for Organ Engineering and Gene Therapy. The fund will support the UAMS Organ Transplant Team's research in cellular engineering, genetic reprogramming, targeted cellular removal, and organ revitalization. It will also help acquire technology and equipment needed to carry out research activities. Fayetteville residents can submit proposals for housing and case management solutions to the city through a new request for proposal program. The City Council unanimously passed a resolution to support a request for proposal program Tuesday evening. Sarah Moore, 
Fayetteville representative for Ward 2, says this measure is meant as a stepping stone to help decide the best use of the remaining $1.63 million of the city's American Rescue Plan Act funds. No, I'm excited because I think this is just going to give us some key learnings about kind of how imaginative our community is that maybe responding to this situation. And so I hope it'll help us to dial in the potential for additional RFPs that we might do in the future. July 19th is the last day proposals will be accepted in the program, but the deadline could be moved to a later date. And the Fayetteville City Council also passed a resolution allowing the city's aviation division to apply for a nearly $375,000 Federal Aviation Administration grant. Grant funds would go toward a master plan for future development at Drakefield, and the council also passed a resolution for the division to apply for a $475,000 grant to go toward the cost of wildlife fencing at the airport and to pay engineering firm Garver for environmental coordination services. Time now for today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal report. I'm Paul Gatling. YT Industries, that's a direct-to-consumer German-based bike manufacturer, will open a customer experience center next year in downtown Bentonville. Known as a YT Mill, it will be the second U.S. location. The first opened in San Clemente, California in 2019. YT has other mills in the United Kingdom and in Germany. Now, Bentonville's two-story YT Mill will be new construction at 305 North Main Street. That's north of the downtown square. And when it opens early next year, it is expected to create 20 jobs. Amy Ross is a cycling industry professional who works for Bentonville investment company Runway Group. She says that as more cycling-related businesses relocate to Bentonville, it furthers the vision of Northwest Arkansas becoming a premier hub for cycling and cycling-related businesses in North America. Now that story is up on our website, and you can read more details at nwabusinessjournal.com. We've got more news after the break on today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal report. Support for the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal report is provided by the Arkansas State Chamber of Commerce and Associated Industries of Arkansas. The Chamber's mission is to promote a pro-business, free enterprise agenda and prevent legislation, regulation, and rules that hinder business. ArkansasStateChamber.com Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield For more than 70 years, Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield has used its knowledge and compassion to create healthcare solutions for individuals and businesses. More information at ArkansasBlueCross.com First Security is proud to be only in Arkansas. They offer smart solutions for personal and business banking, plus convenient services and community investment. First Security. Bank better. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender. Earlier this month, the University of Arkansas released a report showing that Northwest Arkansas's cycling industry contributed $159 million to the economy last year through cycling-related jobs, tourism revenue, and taxes. University of Arkansas economist Mervyn Jebaraj discussed that report and other economic topics in a recent interview with Roby Brock. Before we dive into some national, international economy uh, economic news. I want to talk about Northwest Arkansas. First of all, you guys came out with a report early this week that the 
biking economy in Northwest Arkansas is having quite a significant economic impact in terms of uh, dollars into the area as well as uh, potentially jobs. Tell me the, the findings from this uh, summary. Yeah, I think, you know, when people think about uh, bicycling in Northwest Arkansas, you look at the nice mountain biking trails, road biking trails, the Razorback Greenway uh, that connects the major cities here in Northwest Arkansas. And you see a lot of people enjoying these as amenities, as recreation. Um, and But we don't often think about the type of economic impacts that it generates. And so this report was an attempt to try to put a dollar figure on some of the economic impacts. Uh, there are economic impacts, for example, that we did not study. You know, obviously, it's a recruitment tool for businesses here in Northwest Arkansas to be able to say, come work in Northwest Arkansas. You can enjoy these wonderful trails. We didn't try to quantify any of that. But what we did look at is sort of the tourism benefits of those trails, that is people coming to this region ride on the mountain biking trails or the Razorback Greenway or participate in competitions uh, in Northwest Arkansas and, you know, estimate what the economic impact of that was. And then to look at sort of the business ecosystem around the bicycling infrastructure here in Northwest Arkansas. So there are people that make bikes, repair bikes, uh, make, sell accessories for bikes, you know, uh, provide tourism services, uh, you know, either in picking up people or dropping off people and uh, picking up their bikes, dropping off their bikes, all kinds of different activities in this sector. Uh, we try to quantify those two impacts and those two business impacts and tourism impacts together are $159 million last year. About $100 million of that was the business impacts. So those are, you know, directly uh, businesses engaged in something to do with the bicycling economy. And then $59 million was uh, basically tourism impacts and people going to restaurants, paying for hotels, Airbnbs, uh, that type of activity uh, while they're visiting Northwest Arkansas, either to just enjoy a nice weekend vacation here around bicycling, or if they visited for, say, a large event like uh, we had at the beginning of last year, the UCI cyclocross race, which in and of itself produced a $10 million impact. All right, let's turn our attention to uh, the Federal Reserve Bank, uh, Jerome Powell, the Feds, uh, announcing no interest rate hike this week at their Fed meeting, which was largely anticipated by most uh, economic observers. However, there was a curveball thrown in there. What was your takeaway from what the Feds said and how economists and people that are involved in the financial industries reacted to that. I mean, like you said, we widely expected them to not raise interest rates this time. And we widely expected them to signal maybe one more interest rate increase at some point this summer. So I think most people's expectations were no increase in June, one increase in July, and that the top rate would be between five and a quarter and five and a half uh, from five and five and five and a quarter where it is today. So uh, the surprising thing in all of this was that uh, while they didn't particularly put this in any of their statements, they indicated that they're pausing. They're going to uh, be very data driven and see what the next, you know, see what the data says before their next meeting. Uh, they release estimates of where they expect the top interest rate to be, and that indicates two more uh, rate increases as opposed to one more. So the uh, top rate would be between five and a half and five and three quarters. Uh, which you know is a quarter percentage higher than where we expected it to be. And I think the confusion is that if they want two more rate increases, why don't they do it one this time and one in July? Uh, what is if indeed the economy needs two more rate increases, why not raise now 
and get inflation under control? Why wait till July and then at some point after that? So, you know, again, looking at estimates of, you know, what economists expect inflation rate path to be through the rest of the summer, we're expecting a year over year increase to be in the, you know, mid to low 3% range um, later this summer which is not, you know, admittedly where the Federal Reserve wants it to be between two and two and a half, but it's a lot lower than where it was last year. And if, you know, the thinking was that even three to three and a half this summer is not good enough, then why pause now? Why not increase now and increase next time as well? But uh, I think my my guess is that the Federal Reserve is trying to have its cake and eat it too, you know, just... Uh, trying to signal that they're pausing, but indicate that they fully well might increase two more times rather than one more time, that they're trying to take inflation very seriously, but not uh, tell the markets that, oh, that's it, you know, we're not uh, we're not raising rates anymore. Jebaraj also says that it's a very strong possibility, assuming nothing else changes, that the United States will avoid a recession at least through the end of this year. You can watch that entire interview online over on our sister website at talkbusiness.net. In other recent headlines, Little Rock-based Natural Capital and Orion Capital Partners of Bentonville have teamed up on a recent deal to buy a 12-building commercial office portfolio in Rogers Pinnacle Hills area for $32 million. Now, those dozen buildings include about 282,000 square feet and are 90% occupied by about 60 tenants. The purchase price equals $113 per square foot. Jeff Delarosa has some reporting at nwabusinessjournal.com from a roundtable discussion at Energy Innovation Day. That was last week at the Arkansas Research and Technology Park in Fayetteville. Arkansas energy leaders provided updates on energy-related projects and learned about federal funding opportunities that could help them make them a reality. Walmart executives Lisa Perry, Tom Wagoner with Syntex Industries, State Infrastructure Coordinator Becky Keough, and Glenn Hooks with the Audubon Delta were all part of that discussion. And finally, don't forget to check out the latest issue of the Business Journal that's out this week. On the cover, details about expansion plans for Arkansas-based Splash Car Wash. Founder and CEO Paul Stagg, discusses the strategy with Jeff Delarosa. We've also got Q&A profiles with our ninth annual class of women in business honorees. Also in the magazine, details about the first tee of Northwest Arkansas and its search for its next CEO. Simmons Foods R&D team is moving to downtown Salem Springs, and Stevens Family Investment and a new CEO are bolstering landscaping business Blue Ribbon Industries in Rogers. Those stories and much more are in the latest issue, and you can read the digital version for free at nwabusinessjournal.com. I'm Paul Gatling, and that's the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Until next time, thanks for listening. This is Ozarks at Large. Let's take a survey of live music in the region. Timothy Dennis, I'm in town this weekend, so help me out. Okay, so there's... A little bit of stuff going on right. aside from Pride Weekend. Big, big weekend, yes. Uh, of course, you can find all of the information for that in various places, uh, nwapride.com. It's, right. That information is out there. So I'm going to share some stuff outside of Pride events okay. that are happening. 
Starting with tonight, actually, or this afternoon into this evening, there's going to be a memorial for Claire Starr happening at Prairie Street Live. Yes. It's going to feature performances from Matt Smith, Tim Anthony, Claudia Burson, Jeff Kearney, Paul Burnham, Anthony Ball, Reggie James, Al Gibson, and more. Wow. Listening to that list, it shows you what kind of impact Claire had on our local community. And and how many different musicians and genres and bands he touched. Yeah. That gets underway at 4 o'clock, goes through this evening. Also happening this evening in Fayetteville, it's the next concert in the Gully Park Concert Series. Is it Arkansas time? It is Arkansas time. Excellent. Begins at 7 p.m., but all Gully Park concerts are from 7 to 9 p.m. Right. Also happening tonight in Fayetteville, Smoke and Barrel is going to have a rock and roll show featuring the band's Daisy Chain in town from Chicago, Cosmic Cream, which is a Hot Springs-based psych rock band, and then Locals Mildenhall. Mm-hmm. Cover is $5. Should get underway at about 9 o'clock. Again, that's tonight at Smoke and Barrel in Fayetteville. Okay, moving ahead to tomorrow night, Smoke and Barrel in Fayetteville is going to have a country and folk Americana show featuring local Ashton Barbary Mm -hmm. and then India Rain. She's a Nashville-based and Alabama-raised country singer. Okay. Covers $5, gets underway at about 9 o'clock tomorrow night. Again, that's at Smoke and Barrel in Fayetteville. Happening tomorrow night at 612 Coffee House in Fayetteville, they're going to have on stage the local funk band Maple Street. I'm sick of all the second person singing my heart out. I'm not special and neither are you there. 26 letters in the it's underway at 7 o'clock. That's tomorrow night again at 612 Coffee House in Fayetteville. Over in Eureka Springs tomorrow night, the Gravel Bar is going to have local singer-songwriter Skylar Conover in the house. Mm-hmm. She's spotted by a pastor, but he walks right past her. She's clearly not living the faith. He's followed by a deacon. Could he be the reason for hope that she might? That gets underway at 7 o'clock tomorrow night again. That's at the Gravel Bar in Eureka Springs. Then down in Fort Smith tomorrow night, Buddy Shooting the Motivators are going to have a show at the bar titled Farewell Party. <laughs> I've not been to Farewell when, Party. When Buddy sent me an alert about this show, like he said Farewell Party, I'm like, wait, are they breaking up? No, apparently not. There is a bar in Fort Smith called The Farewell Party. It's on Grand Avenue, about halfway between UAFS and downtown. You know, I love bar titles that can be misconstrued or something yeah. back of course when i was in college and we had the library right right hang up on your mom i gotta go mom i gotta go to the library i'm guessing there wasn't much reading or studying done in said library. not at that library yeah, no yeah, yeah. anyway that show with buddy shooting the motivators they, it gets underway at eight o'clock that's tomorrow night again at the farewell party in fort smith Okay, jumping ahead to Saturday, Smoke and Barrel in Fayetteville is going to have another indie rock show featuring the bands Bootleg Royale, Olympics, and the Ear Slips. Turn the blind to 
Covers $10, starts at about 9 o'clock Saturday night, again at Smoke and Barrel in Fayetteville. 612 Coffeehouse in Fayetteville Saturday night welcomes back Circle of Thirds. Uh-huh. Decent local jazz band. Yep. Gets underway at 8 o'clock Saturday night. Again, that's at 612 Coffee House in Fayetteville. Crystal Bridge is in Bentonville. Uh, I've heard of it. <laughs> continuing their Forest Concert series. Last week, I think I spoke in air when I said Branjay was on stage last weekend mm-hmm. because she's actually on stage in the forest this week. Palms natural to me. If you thought you missed Brand J last weekend, you didn't. Yeah, you're in luck. It takes Fantastic. place uh, this Saturday night. Again, that's part of the Forest Concert Series. Uh, tickets start at $20. Gets underway at 7 o'clock Saturday night, again at Crystal Bridges in Bentonville. Then down in Fort Smith, Majestic is going to have an Americana rock show featuring the Austin band Uncle Lucius. What you call on my preacher, but there was no one there. Joining them on that bill is artist Nolan Taylor. Tickets are $25 in advance, go up to $30 at the door. Starts at 8 o'clock Saturday night. Again, that's at Majestic in Fort Smith. Moving ahead to Sunday, the next Mountain Street Stage concert at Fable Public Library is free. It's free. It's going to feature the band Model. They yeah. have been one of our lunch hour fans. Yeah, and I've interviewed them a few times yeah. here on Ozarks. As you mentioned, that show is free. Gets underway at 2 o'clock. That's Sunday at Fayetteville Public Library. Also happening in Fayetteville Sunday, something you're aware of, Patty Steele is going to be playing at George's Majestic Lounge. Vine Brothers are part of that. Dance mm-hmm. Monkey Dance part of that. It's a big show. Yeah. It being a big show covers $10, and that starts at about 8 o'clock Sunday night. Again, that's at George's in Fayetteville. 8 o'clock Sunday night. I know. Okay. Which is better than nine or ten? Well, on a Sunday no, night. I, I agree, I agree, I agree. I'm just thinking of me. Oh, I know, I yes. know, I know. Moving ahead, Tuesday night, Meteor Guitar Gallery in Bentonville is going to have Austin-based blues artist Chris Duarte in the house. Cover is $12.50 in advance, goes up to $15 at the door. That starts at about 7.30 Tuesday evening. Again, that's at Meteor Guitar Gallery in Bentonville. Wednesday night, George's Majestic Lounge in Fable having a hard rock show featuring the band's Idle Threat, Weathered, Red Witch Johnny, and American Arson. <laughs> and that, that one's yeah. my favorite. Yeah. Cover is $12, starts at about 8 o'clock Wednesday night. Again, that's at George's in Fayetteville. And then next Thursday, starting with an event I actually thought was going to happen this Thursday, 
But because of the Claire Star Memorial happening at Prairie Street Live, they've moved it a week. Okay. It's the songwriters in the round that's going to feature Chase Hart, Kelly and Donna Mulholland, and Jeff Kearney. And that will be? That's at Meteor Guitar Gallery. Cover is $12.50 in advance, $15 at the door. Starts at 6.30 next Thursday evening, again at Meteor Guitar Gallery in Bentonville. So one week from tonight. One week from tonight. Gotcha. Also one week from tonight, it's the next concert in the Live at Turnbow series. That's in downtown Springdale. Yeah, at Turnbow Park. This month, they're featuring Ensemble Iberica, which is a musical collective. They feature an overview of Iberian musical history, leaning on folklore traditions from Spain, Portugal, Mexico, and Central America. Oh, wow. It's really good stuff. gets underway at 6.30 next Thursday night. Again, that's at Turnbow Park in downtown Springdale. That's free. That's free. I mean, if you, you know, you put together, like, there was music at Juneteenth, mm-hmm. there's free music if you, you know, when you look at Pride, plus you got Gully Park, you got Turnbow, mm-hmm. you can spend not much money and hear a lot of great music. Oh, absolutely. All right. Thank you, Timothy. Thank you. Hi, my name's Jack Travis. I'm a reporter here for Ozarks at Large at KUAF. Every day, KUAF investigates, discovers, questions, imagines, listens, pulls the key facts and truths of the story together, and then we report it to you in the moment. KUAF's coverage is centered on the real news and not the noise, delivers stories of substance rather than spectacle, and reports to you with facts instead of foolishness. There's something new to share every day, whether it's political analysis on Morning Edition, an inspiring guest on Ozarks at Large, or an insight into a current issue from All Things Considered. It's radio you want to hear, and it's radio that exists thanks to listeners like you. As we celebrate 50 years on the air in 2023, show how much you value KUAF by becoming a sustaining member today at supportkuaf.com. Thank you, Jack. I'm Kyle Kellums. I'm Timothy Dennis. Timothy, uh, KUAF celebrating 50 years on the air. That's right. I haven't been here for all 50. You've been here for more than half of those years, though. If you count when I was a student. Yes. I've been here for 42 of the 50. Okay, so 80%'s not bad. So we've gone from 10 watts <laughs> to when we would get a phone call from the other side of Springdale and be excited. Right. To 100,000 watts now and doing all sorts of things, not just on the air, but podcasts and participating this weekend as an official stop in Pride mm-hmm. and the lunch hour website. You name it. Right. Podcasts. I mean, you don't just have to listen to our programming whenever it airs right. on the radio. I mean, we have so many podcasts from Ozarks at Large to things you can't even hear on the air, like Blockchain, uh, Resilient Black Women, The R Word. So many podcasts that you get from KUAF you don't find anywhere else. KUAF 2, 24 hours a day, classical music. KUAF 3, which gives you jazz and encore broadcasts of our local music stations. All of this has happened in those 50 years. All of that growth because of listener support. Yeah, listener support as if you've listened to us for a long time, for a good portion of those 50 years, you probably already know that three quarters of our annual budget comes from the contributions of listeners just like you. And to celebrate this 50 years on the air, we're asking you to help us end our fiscal year, which is happening sooner rather than later at the end of this month, by making a contribution or renewing 
a contribution to KUAF. And it really does make a difference. Every contribution matters. Every dollar matters. It adds up and allows us to pay the bills for our programming and for overhead costs like powering our transmitter out at Winslow. Got to do like that. Like paying our streaming costs with Stream Guys to allow you to pick up KUAF on your smart speaker or on the app. For free. For free. I Not mean, us. No. You, you, you get it for free. But we pay. We have to pay all of these costs. And the only way we are able to do that is when listeners like you who use this service come forward and make a gift to help support that service. You can do that right now at supportkuaf.com. And thank you so much. Associate Professor and Chair of the Music Department at the University of Arkansas, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter. We open Sound Perimeter today with songs of laughing, smiling, and crying by New Orleans native composer Courtney Bryan. Today's version of this piece for piano and recorded sound is from a 2018 concert at the New Orleans Jazz Museum in New Orleans, featuring the composer also as a pianist. Courtney Bryan's music ranges from jazz and experimental to traditional gospel, spirituals, and hymns. Brian attended Oberlin Conservatory for her undergraduate degree, Rogers University for her master's, and Columbia University for a doctorate. And now she is a professor of music at Newcomb College in the School of Liberal Arts, Tulane University, and a creative partner with the Louisiana Philharmonic Orchestra. Her works often include solo, large ensembles, film scores, and collaborations with dancers, visual artists, writers, and actors. From the opening chords of songs of laughing, smiling, and crying, this piece is to me an invitation to reflection and deep introspection, and like its title, a call to explore all colors, all feelings, and all histories.
that was songs of laughing, smiling, and crying for improvised piano and recorded sound by New Orleans native composer and pianist Courtney Bryan, recorded live at the New Orleans Jazz Museum in 2018. Tuba Skinny is a traditional jazz street band based in New Orleans, Louisiana. The band features the cornet, clarinet, trombone, tuba, banjo, guitar, and washboard. For the last decade and a half, Tuba Skinny has grown its encompassing audience and has released 12 albums while touring all over the world. Tuba Skinny's music is inspired by traditional jazz, ragtime, spirituals, country blues, and New Orleans R&B. Let us listen to Tuba Skinny perform in the streets of New Orleans, Jubilee Stomp, a piece composed by Duke Ellington, who first recorded it in 1928. <laughs> New Orleans-based street band Tuba Skinny performing Duke Ellington's Jubilee Stomp from a 2018 live recording. Today in San Perimeter, we let the good times and get the good music roll and featured bands and musicians from New Orleans, Courtney Bryan and street band Tuba Skinny. 
I hope you transported yourself through time and space and enjoy the rich and profound sounds of New Orleans while thinking of the rich histories that have inspired these musics and musicians. This is Leah Uribe, Associate Professor and Chair of the University of Arkansas Music Department, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter, a show written and hosted by me and produced by Timothy Dennis, KUAF 91.3 in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Sound Perimeter is a segment dedicated to diverse voices in and around music. I hope it'll expand your knowledge and connection to inclusive sounds and let music infiltrate your lives and transform your realities. See you soon. Tomorrow on Ozarks at Large, Shine I Yell, a band with original songs inspired by the Buffalo River and some of the legendary people who lived on or near the river. Lucy Briscoe did deliver over a thousand babies in her lifetime. Come to find out there are other midwives that um, did the same thing out here in rural Arkansas that, you know, keep in mind back then there was little to no access to doctors or couldn't travel. We'll talk about the new album, Buffalo National River Songs Volume 1 and much more. That's on tomorrow's Ozarks at Large at noon and 7 p.m. on 91.3 KUAF. Night down on Possum Trot, Jimmy Stills' wife's early water broke. Called a Lizzie Briscoe through the stormy sky. Here she come riding through the needles. And don't forget, you can always listen to Ozarks at Large whenever you want where you want with the Ozarks at Large podcast. All you have to do is ask your smart speaker to please play Ozarks at Large. Shiloh Museum of Ozark History hosts Silk Road Presents, train station trios, songs and stories of the American Railroad, Saturday, July 1st at 3 p.m. The program is part of Silk Road's multi-year American Railroad project, an initiative that illuminates the impact that immigrant communities had on the creation of the U.S., Transcontinental Railroad and Connecting Railways in North America. Tickets are available at shilohmuseum.org. Walmart Amp presents a fireworks spectacular Tuesday, July 4th. This family-friendly experience features a blend of patriotic and contemporary music by the Symphony of Northwest Arkansas with a grand finale fireworks display. Gates open at 7 p.m., concert at 8 p.m., and fireworks begin at 9.15. Amptickets.com for information. The VA Medical Center in Fayetteville will host a job fair Saturday from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. in Building 21. The VA will be hiring medical clerks and advanced medical clerks. This week, the University of Arkansas Razorbug is delivering diplomas. Actually, people will be in the Razorbug and they'll be delivering the diplomas. But they will be traveling around the state to students who earn degrees online. UA staff and faculty will hand-deliver diplomas in Green Forest, Jasper, Yellville, Mountain Home, Norfolk, and Batesville. Trivia uh, for you there, Timothy. I have broadcast a high school basketball game in each of those towns. That's not surprising for some <laughs> reason. It's been a long time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Sunday, the Fort Smith Regional Art Museum will provide guided tours of the five galleries at the RAM. The tours begin Sunday at 2 p.m. and are free and require no registration. You can just drop in. Yep. 
And the writers, Conley Derry Hollow in Eureka Springs, will host the virtual workshop Writing to Heal Historical Drama. It's going to be facilitated by an alum of the Writers Conley, Dr. Adrienne Danielle Oliver. The event aims to empower writers of color to explore and confront the complexities of familial and societal histories that disrupt personal and familial peace. Workshop will take place Friday, July 7th from 6 until 8 p.m., limited to 15 attendees. If you'd like to know more information about this workshop, writerscolony.org. This is your public radio station for nearly four decades, your NPR station for nearly four decades, KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bella Vista, and Rule. KUAF is a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Never called a basketball game in Rule. <laughs> Contributors today included Rachel Sanchez-Smith, Paul Gatling, Roby Brock, Leah Uribe, and additional reporting heard on today's show provided by Anna Pope and Jacqueline Froelich. Timothy produced today's show and today's edition of Sound Perimeter. Our listening lab coordinator at KUAF is Emerson Alexander. You can find some of the first conversation uh, conversations from our listening lab right now at KUAF.com. Our theme music is titled The First Hurrah, and it's written and performed by Daryl Sean. You can find his latest CD, which is... Still here. On most streaming music platforms. I you think can also all of them. find him on Facebook and the usual social media platforms. From the Herald and Blanche Kalk News Studio at the Carver Center for Public Radio, I'm Timothy Dennis. I'm Kyle Kellams. Thanks so much for letting us be part of your Thursday. We're back tomorrow with a new show at noon and 7.